Hello, and welcome to the What Manners Most podcast. I'm Thomas Farley, Mr. Manners. Thank you so much for listening. If you're anything like me, you've spent a whole lot of time the past couple of months staring at your webcam, whether on calls with clients, with colleagues, with friends, or with family. All of us, overnight, seemingly, have become broadcast personalities. And yet, without professionals to help us with lighting and help us with our equipment, we're seeing a lot of broadcasting (laughs) no-nos. Whether it's what the people are wearing, whether it's the massive pile of laundry in the background, or the pile of papers that's completely visible, the person who looks like they're in a cave, it's so dark, or the person whose head is so low, it looks like if they move the camera one more centimeter, we won't be able to see them at all. There are many things that are happening with these web calls that I think could stand some improvement. And as I pondered this and why it's important, it struck me that I should go to someone who is an expert in this realm and what better person to talk about how to put your best self forward on camera than a photographer. So we are going to be joined by a longtime friend of mine who is a phenomenal portrait photographer based in the Bay Area. His name is Asa Mathit, and he has photographed just about every boldface name you can name in Silicon Valley, from the late Steve Jobs to Bill Gates to Warren Buffett. He's at TED conferences. He's at conferences constantly doing phenomenal portrait work. And he has such attention to detail. I've had the the good fortune to be on photo walking tours with him out in the Bay Area. He sees things, his eye picks up on things that the typical observer never does. And I think if you care at all about putting a better virtual version of yourself out before the cameras, Asa's got those answers. So my conversation with Asa coming right up after the break. Welcome back. I'm so pleased to introduce you now to my good friend and supremely accomplished photographer, Asa Mathet. Asa, welcome to What Matters Most. Hi there. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me on. Asa, we are all on camera way more than most of us are accustomed to. And I think some people just feel very, very awkward or introverted about it. Other people are a lot more comfortable, but are perhaps making some mistakes. What are some of the things you feel like you're seeing when you witness a video conference? What we're seeing a lot of is people leaning down, talking into this microphone and into this this little camera on the top of the laptop. So when you're looking into a laptop and you are looking down onto it, like a lot of people do, it's it's not very flattering to your neck. I'm always recommending people stand if they're presenting because then they have access to their diaphragm. They can gesture more. Their hands are a little more free. The shoulders can stay back. And it doesn't matter if you're standing or sitting. Now, personally, I like maybe an inch or two above eye level, which your nose still stays straight on that camera. But with the camera being a little higher, you are forcing your eyelids open further and your eyebrows open further. You're, you're using as much the roundness of your eyes that you have, and that makes you look most engaged. For those who are accustomed to looking at their screen and looking at the other people on the call who are talking and not looking directly up at the lens, you've got a great little tip for how they can remember to keep their eyes on their own camera rather than on the people on screen. 
you're going to be able to avoid that if you take a simple post-it note with a smiley face and stick it near the lens about that level, maybe a little above if you can on a wall. I have this little Gumby doll that I have sitting on top to, and I speak to the Gumby doll because as soon as you start to look down, your eye track is lower than, and it's going to be natural. You're going to want to look at your self-talk, but that's not where the camera is. And then you are getting droopy eyelids and you're diminishing that beautiful shape of your eyes by doing that. For someone who's accustomed to using just the built-in camera on their laptop or on their desktop, or maybe they're even on their phone, do you recommend a separate standalone attachable camera? I do because it can get off of the line of the laptop and you can also move it around into places that you can't put the laptop. Even your old Canon Rebel or something like that, let's say if you, you were a pro and this camera is sitting in its camera bag, or if you're just a mom and pop and you had a regular camera and you don't have a $90 webcam that's not even available to you because Amazon has sold off for how long, then it'd be more portable and you could bring it into spaces that that laptop will never work. So something that's detachable, something which will give you a lot more flexibility about positioning and where you can be, and then something that has most likely better optics than the webcam on whatever your device you're using. That brings us to, I imagine, the single most important component of any photograph or video, which you are a master of, which is lighting. If you're based in the Bay Area and you and I have done some phenomenal photo tours walking on the Golden Gate Bridge and Golden Gate Park, and you are forever looking for where the light is and where the shadows are. Before we get into the webcamming aspect of it, could you talk a little bit about your fascination and your appreciation for light and shadow? Every photographer has something that, they, that you can look at and tell, oh, that's theirs. And mine is shadow and highlight. I love silhouettes and I love shadows and I ideally love them together. I mean, I love it when highlights move across surfaces that we don't typically perceive. But I think when you're on these webcam things, you need to make sure that the only thing they walk away with is this beautiful message you wanted to give them instead of giving them every reason to be distracted. So the cleaner your light is, the cleaner everything. The thing that people think is the panacea of all light, and that's this ring light and that's been around for decades and it was used mostly in fashion and it's fun because it's a shadowless light you put a, a camera lens in the center of a donut shaped light and then of course if the camera is in the middle of a circular lights shadows are all completely erased well that's fine and good except most people aren't really that skilled with that ring light and if you get into the right position that ring sits perfectly in the eye and you look like an alien and it's very strange to look at somebody with a donut shape or ring light a catch light in their eyes. Ring lights, as fun as they are, they're not perfection. I was surprised, and I, I think I may have mentioned this to you, that there was an episode of Saturday Night Live. Of course, the whole cast is performing and creating skits from home, and they obviously had all invested in these ring lights, and I applaud them for being able to pull off the production values they're doing, given that these are, these are actors and comedians, not necessarily lighting professionals. But so many of them had this alien catchlight that you're talking about, which was very distracting. It was hard to pay attention to their comedy skits, and I kept on looking at their eyes. So we definitely don't want that extreme. There is a way to make it work, but but there, most ring lights were not invented for wide-angle lenses. They were to use a normal to a longer lens for portraits. You buy an 18-inch to a 24-inch white balloon, and you get some rubber bands You can or some tape. You can tape it to flashlights and just keep them outside of the frame. It's so easy to use something like a balloon 
with a flashlight shining through it, or if you don't have the balloon, you shine them onto the walls. Just start to learn to bounce light around to, to be in your favor. The most flattering light is, of course, backlight. Now, I'm not talking about silhouette. I'm not saying that. I'm saying light that isn't scraping across the face, enhancing the texture. I'm talking about light that's generally soft coming from behind, but you still have to push light back on the face or there will be a black spot. So it's balancing the backlight with the front light, but softer and larger light sources are way better than little tiny ones. So think about a cloudy day versus sunshine when you look at your skin. I love that flashlight trick because it seems so easy and so DIY. What are some ways that somebody can set up a basic lighting system in their home near their computer that is not going to break the bank and also not going to take a huge amount of time and be easily adaptable if it needs to be moved? Throughout the day, a window that is on the north side of your office or home is going to be the better light to sit by because regardless of how the light changes throughout the day, it's going to be the most consistent as, as every artist will tell you, that's the way they configure their studios. So they can have a pretty significantly consistent light throughout the day. Consider that first. Then second, if you have to move around, say somebody else needs a computer or the, or the day has changed, you can buy very inexpensive lights that are something that you can get simple at the hardware store, something that's a clip light of some sort that's really bright and powerful. But remember to bounce them into the walls. White's ideal. Uh, free and practically free is your shower curtain. So you don't have to think about a window as long as you can pretend that your white wall is the window at night when you shine the light on the wall and then the light bouncing off is essentially your window light. So the idea being you never really want the light coming straight on at you, that you want it bounced off some kind of a surface or diffused and coming back at you at an angle where it's not quite as strong and unforgiving? Always, yes. It's regardless of your age, unless you want that really chiseled edge defining like every wrinkle or every pore. That webcam, if you haven't found where to control it, it's just going to do whatever it wants. It's like an unruly child deeper into the preferences of what you can control on that webcam. Laptop cameras, honestly, they're just set to do their very best with what they're given. And they will fight you and fight you because if it sees a warmer light on you and a cooler light in your background, it's going to adjust. It's only going to be able to pick one. It isn't going to go, well, let's keep his face this color while I change the background to this color. It doesn't work like that. We've talked about camera positioning. We've talked about lighting. Let's talk now about composition. And I know you definitely have some feelings about this in terms of how people don't always pay attention to what's going on in their surroundings and how distracting that can be. I, I would just defer to Michelangelo and the story goes when he was asked, how did he create David out of this giant piece of marble? And he said it was very easy. He just chipped away everything that did not look like David. So this idea is the same for most types of photography. We're constantly removing things out of the frame till we have what's left over that we love. When you are pointing that video camera at yourself, basically, every single object in there is a viable thing for the viewer to look at. Keep in mind that we naturally, when we, when we communicate, we gesture sometimes with our hands. If you're dead center, you're probably going to lose your fingertips to the edge of that frame. So maybe shift a tiny bit left or right to the area and letting your hands be part of that frame as a gesture. One of the things that's an option on some of these platforms is a thing called a virtual background. A lot of these backgrounds will have you sitting with palm trees behind you or whatever. And it just looks like someone rolled down a piece of paper behind you. And like it 
just doesn't look real because you need to make those a little out of focus to look more real. And besides, again, do we want every detail for someone to be inspecting behind you? No, we want to listen to your message. We want to hear what you have to say. And if, as soon as you give somebody a reason not to look at you and not to listen, that's what they're going to do. This virtual background, in theory, could actually be your real background, but just a little bit stylized and perhaps a little bit softer focus and then placed in as a virtual slide behind you, behind your live webcam image? Exactly. Yeah. That's actually another thing that I love teaching is because you can create your own background. So for example, let's just say, dang it, I really can't you know, do anything about my bookshelf. I hate it, but it's the best thing I've got, or there's just laundry on the couch or something. You don't want everyone to see that all the time. What you can do is take a picture from the perspective of the webcam or wherever the laptop is, just get behind those two and take your phone and take a picture out of focus of that scene or take a picture and then bring it into an editing software and take it out of focus. Import that as your virtual background. And then when you stand in the shot, it looks pretty darn real because the light that is in the background is going to be the light that is going to be on you. We've talked a lot, Asa, about the visuals, which of course are very important, but something we haven't touched on, and I'd like to have you just address it briefly, is audio. Most people, even if they have an external webcam, they probably haven't invested in an external microphone. Talk to us a little bit about why that's important. These video platforms are programmed to favor sound. Remember, that microphone is so far away from you. You want to be at, at 6 to 18 inches at the most. When I say 6, that would be perfect for like what we're doing now. If someone can't see you and you're leaning down or you have a podcasting mic that's near your mouth, you're going to sound better. And the other thing I think that people forget, if you're going to present and you're a professional, there's the, the tea with honey, do your vocal scale, singing warm-ups, stretch your throat out, have some water nearby and take, take a little water breaks as needed and, and your, your throat will thank you as well as your audience. I'm so glad you said that, Asa, because it, it reminds me of a point I wanted to make. I am no fan of seeing people eating on camera, which I'm seeing a lot of people munching and crunching and, you know, they've got this, <laughs> the sloppy sandwich. But that being said, I have absolutely no problem with somebody drinking a cup of coffee or a water or frankly, even a glass of wine or a cocktail, if that's appropriate. That I don't find bothersome, but there's something about watching people eat on camera that I do not find <laughs> very enjoyable, let alone professional. I wanted to do like two more tech tips, if you don't mind. One of them is audio since we're on that topic. And, and folks, remember, if you can get in on a call and you don't have to be seen, try to remember that the closet is a really good insulator of sound from noise going into a closet, even in your hotel room. It's going to stop a lot of the sound that people are going to hear in the background. Mm. And then the other thing is when we were talking about video, I meant to mention that if you wipe off the lens of your camera, you know, once a day because a thumb smudge or a little bit of dust, actually, it's a lot worse than you think. What about what you're wearing and accessories? How do you integrate those into this whole picture? There are some straight up rules that if you've ever been in front of a camera, they will tell you right off the bat. If you wear something that is too patterned, it is just not going to work. Or zebra patterns or these things called moray patterns. They've done better over the years, but still, why not avoid this? So you don't have this floating zebra thing moving if the camera happens to move or you happen to move. If you've ever thought of any animal out there that has a really interesting pattern, let's just go with a leopard, right? They look that way so they can blend in to their environment. So their edge is not 
definable, right? So if you are wearing a pattern, you're very definable. Now, as I said before, don't we want to listen to your message? Now, maybe, maybe you're the kind of person who wears that kind of clothes and that's your personality. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just letting you know that there is a hierarchy on which human eyeballs go to. My feeling on it is, and of course, I always like to to dress for work when I'm on a work call, and I don't think for me wearing a, a ripped T-shirt on camera would be suitable. But I think the importance of wardrobe is certainly less so on a video call than it is when you're in front of a room because people simply aren't taking in the entire look. I've really, I've tried to keep it fairly simple, but still in keeping with what my aesthetic would be when I'm on a video call. I think that's a good point because uh, I think we all should stand up and prove wearing pants before we begin any mm -hmm. call. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if you saw, I think it was Walmart that their, their first quarter sales on tops were up, but they didn't have to worry about their bottoms because people were buying tops, yeah. But everybody's buying new t-shirts and new button-down shirts, but not worrying about their trousers. So we've got kind of the full picture, truly, when we talk about camera positioning, we talk about lighting, we've talked about wardrobe, we've talked about colors, we've talked about composition. Could we talk now about why is any of this really important? Why should your ordinary mom or dad or business person really care so much about how they look on camera? people judge and they will judge and they will judge until they get enough judgment going that they can then begin listening to your message. Give them something to judge you for, give them something to take away from your message and they aren't going to take in the message until all of those little visual digested judgments are gone. And I'm not saying dress in a white suit, but the more you can set yourself up to just get your beautiful message to them, without giving them a distraction. We all really just want to get our message across. The thing to remind people right now in this era is that some of these people are introverts and it is killing them to even consider getting on a camera while some of these other people are thinking about creating their own talk show. So we need to be patient and tolerant but uh, along this journey and do remember that people are just judgmental in that way and just give them fewer reasons to judge you. Although video conferencing solutions have been around for a long time, most of us probably didn't spend an awful lot of time on video calls. It was email, it was in-office conversations, it was traveling somewhere to be somewhere and speak at a conference, but it wasn't as much of this video conferencing. So I think there's a learning curve even for the pros. There are, there are tips to be had and you come across as not just more relatable and more reliable and trustworthy when people can see your eyes. In my workshops, I talk about the importance of eye contact. And that's just as true on a video call, if not more so, as it is in an in-person interaction. But you know, another aspect of this, as we're talking about it, Asa, is I think when you put this level of care and attention into how you come across on camera, it tells me a lot about you as an individual. You are someone who's attentive to detail. You're maybe a little bit of a perfectionist, which is a good thing in my book. But you're not somebody who just rolled out of bed four seconds before the call and flipped up the laptop lid and lights, camera, action. You're ready to go. You're in your zone. As a professional, I think that speaks volumes. I, I'm not advocating that everyone look amazing all the time. I'm really more speaking about the people that you're trying to deliver a message and they're trying to be convinced that you're the right person. And as Thomas mentioned, eye contact, right? Let's just say sometimes you are going to be on a video call 
and you don't have the the best internet. Maybe your kid is playing Call of Duty in the other room, and so you forgot to tell him not to, and he's pulling down half of the bandwidth, and, <laughs> and, your, and your video call is dropping out, and that's terribly distracting. So keeping that in mind, I obviously, being a still photographer, would recommend that you have something that's current and flattering that you can use as a still photo that you can throw up there. And maybe you did just roll out of bed, or maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even remember this call was there. At least there'll be something for people to look at instead of the question mark or whatever. You're out in Silicon Valley, which is where you do so much of your work, and you're speaking with, my gosh, every time I turn around in normal times, you're at some phenomenal conference of the world's greatest thinkers and the world's greatest inventors shooting these conferences and shooting these CEOs. So you're around great minds all the time. What are you hearing and where do you think we're going to be as a culture with respect to all of this in a year's time? Are we going to be staring at our screens communicating? Are we going to be back at conferences? Where will we be? Personally, I, I think people are craving human touch, human interaction more now than they ever have. And they're learning about that in a way in which they haven't. I think we are we are going to get more comfortable. We're going to look at each other. We're going to trust each other more. It's, it's really, it's hard to lie, you know, when you're looking at somebody, it's pretty easy to lie or say no to somebody when it's an, an audible call or a text message or an email, you can easily do that. So I, I think there will be a new standard and people will embrace this more. You know what I love about what you just said is this idea of video as a different way of connecting versus a regular phone call or, uh, you know, an email. Something I think, which is an added element, and I'd love to have you weigh in on this as well, is I find that people are that much more engaged on a video call because they have to be. So whether you yeah. turn on your video camera or not because you feel like your hair doesn't look good that day or you're, you got a laundry basket in the background, I find that when somebody's on the phone or when somebody's even listening to an audio conference call where they're not on camera, it's very easy to multitask. The, the video camera really shuts that down. And I think we have all been guilty of being the guy who didn't have the video camera on and we were multitasking in the background, but you're right. You know, we're, we're now like, okay, well, we need to be paying attention. We need to seem like we care. And I think, I think that the COVID has actually slowed us down a lot. And I, I'd like to think compassion has, has been a part of that. And I think the video conferencing piece that you just mentioned is a part of that too. We've talked so much about all the technical aspects and the lighting and what you can do to make sure you look better. But for somebody as a photographer, you have wonderful talent for making your subjects at ease. Anybody can learn how to operate a camera if they take a class in theory, but that rapport with your subjects is really what makes you as magical a photographer as you are. For somebody who doesn't have you in the room to coach them and make them feel at ease, what are some things they can do to feel better about being on camera? I do think that is one of my superpowers is, is letting someone into that cone of friendship and then letting them know I've got them. But if I had to give it over the air, I would say, think about the book, uh, The Four Agreements and remember number three, take nothing personally. And instead think the sweetness and the kindness that can come from your eyes and you giving that message, put your hands in the air like you've just won a race, arms up, or you stand with your hands on your hips or both. Believe it or not, according to science, it is, is significant. You will feel different. You will feel better. And of course, those deep breaths too. For somebody who's feeling just either that they are not the world's biggest extrovert or that they've got this syndrome that they're now calling Zoom fatigue, where you're just hopping mm. from Zoom call to Zoom call to Zoom call all day long, I think it's important to give yourself a little bit of a break, if possible, 
if you can't, Asa, if you are on wall-to-wall calls all day, how do you keep that stamina on camera, on video camera? If you're a speaker, it's one thing. If you are a participant listening, I wouldn't worry about looking away, looking around. If you don't get too distracted by looking around, because if there's 10 people on that call, your image is so tiny, it's going to be really hard to discern what any one of those 10 people are looking at. Asa, thank you so much. There are so many wonderful little tips and tricks that you have through your years of doing phenomenal portraits, not just in Silicon Valley, but literally around the world for listeners who are perhaps interested in what you might be able to do for them, both in terms of portraiture or conferences. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in knowing more. Well, I'm, I'm grateful and I would, I, it doesn't matter who you are. I'd love to work with you. I'd love photographing people. I'm still passionate after 30 something years doing this every single day. It's less about the mechanics of a camera and capturing an image. It's more about having the very best version of you pop out between the interaction of you and I together. Because to me, that's the win. The win is where we break down any of these barriers and you get to walk away with something that you're just so happy with because that's the best version of you. But what I'm really passionate about right now is Camp Enlightenment. It's a a school that I'm building near San Francisco on the coast. Uh, for homeless LGBTQ and foster kids, teaching them photography and cinematography. That's my passion right now. and I really want that to be my legacy, uh, working where, you know, you take somebody that doesn't have a voice and doesn't, doesn't know how to share their vision, and then you take me plus a bunch of other world-class photographers and teach them to be the best version of, that they can be as human beings. They don't have to become photographers after the school is over. That's okay. But I want them to leave being a better human being. That is one of many philanthropic endeavors that you've been involved with since I've known you from the Big Pink Ribbon Project to benefit breast cancer research to the project that you did after the California fires, helping people have family portraits taken where perhaps their belongings were destroyed in, in fires. You are all, you're someone who is just always kind of finger on the pulse looking for ways that you can give back. And I think it's just a wonderful quality. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, it's, it feels amazing every day. Asa, thank you so much for joining and helping us all figure out how to be a better version of ourselves when we're on screen. Appreciate that. And I'm so grateful to be here. And thank, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Thomas. Anytime. I'll be back with some closing thoughts coming right up. In the meantime, if you've not yet hit that subscribe button on your player, it's free. Please do so. Soap opera actress Deidre Hall once said, I've learned survival secrets from being on camera and then translated them into everyday life. It's my hope that after that conversation with Asa, you've acquired some survival secrets for being on camera. Secrets that, yes, I believe can be translated into everyday life. It's no coincidence that I chose Deidre. She is the longtime star for several decades now on a show called days of our lives. And although I've never actually seen an episode, I certainly do know the opening credits include the line, like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. And I feel for all of us, at least for me, these past couple of months have been among the slowest, most boring months, and yet somehow simultaneously, the fastest, most 
interesting months as I've focused in every way I can on how to become a better, more introspective and fulfilled version of myself. I hope you're doing the same, using this opportunity, staying well, staying healthy, and using this opportunity as a chance to become a better version of you, whether on camera or whether once again, ultimately out in the real world when we're able to interact face-to-face -face, as we all I know are so craving the opportunity to do. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode and for being a part of this wonderful journey to explore, to discover, and to distill what matters most.